I'm Wendy Connolly, and this is The Lift, a podcast raising voices of faith in Kansas City. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sophia Khan with KC for Refugees. Dr. Khan is a champion of social justice for immigrant families and has recently been awarded the Bodhisattva Award, the Steve Jeffers Leadership Service Award, and was named the Kansas City UN World Citizen of the Year for 2017. Here is Dr. Sophia Khan. I had a whole, whole vision of what I was going to do with my life. And my vision was, uh, literally, uh, was to be a backpacking physician. Huh, I wanted yeah. to make money, but then I would put medical supplies. This was my dream. Mm-hmm. Become an NGO, put stuff in my backpack, and go to the smaller villages in Pakistan where people literally live in mud houses yeah. and, you know, and then help them. Because I know the government wasn't very good at supplying medical care to these people. And these are the kind of people that were when I was in medical school coming to us and you know, I had a big passion of helping them. That whole dream was like a bubble that popped when I moved here because mm. I'm not even mm. living there anymore. What am I gonna do? So life started, life started with its flow. I came here, did my residency in New York, got married. My husband also went to the same medical school as I did. He got accepted in um, residency here at UMKC. That's how we ended up here. He got started. Now I'm married. I'm, I have a great job. We bought our first house. I get pregnant. I have my child. Something was missing in my life. Mm. So I slowly got connected with some people here in the community who were helping some people who were living far away. That time, with I got my pregnancies pretty closely packed. I have five kids now. In six years, I had four kids. Wow. With husband still in residency. Oh, wow. And my mother-in-law and sister-in-law moved in with me, and we had to get her established, get her married. My mother-in-law had health problems. So in all of this, I'm still feeling a hole in my heart that something has to be, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. I could not get physically involved, but all I could do is donate as much as I could right. or spread the word. Mm-hmm. That's what I started at, at an early stages. Um, as soon as my kids were stable enough and I figured things out, I said, I want to be more actively involved. So when someone would ask me to give donation, I said, can you let me go see the family? They said, then you have to drive 45 minutes. Then I realized how segregated, more and more I did, I realized how segregated America is. Right. It used to bother me. I said, I should be able to have people ring at my doorbell and say, can you give me some food? And I should be able to fill up a bag and give it to him. Mm-hmm. Where are these people? Then I would find out there are people actually in Kansas City who are starving. Some people with kids who have not had food for two, three days. Right. I would bring tears to my eyes. I'm like, my God, why are we like this? We are throwing food in the trash can. You know, I have the money. My, you know, once somebody told me that his worker had said his neighbor has not had, and his family has not had food for three days, it took me two minutes to fill up five grocery bags just out of my pantry and my freezer. Right. And I said, why can't we, why were we not? So this thing always bugs me. It was a natural thing for me, telling right. the background of my life in Pakistan. It was a natural thing that we had to help those who did not have as much as we did. And so I, ha- I realized that being an American now, being a Kansas Cityan, I have to put in extra energy if I really want to do that work. And lo and behold, uh, over these past 10, 15 years, I've been here now 22 years this year. Wow. Past decade for uh, over a decade now, my community knows me for, hey, if you want to donate something, call Sophia. They trust me that I'm going to get it in the right hands. And they know I, I stay connected with that community. So now, since especially I got into the refugee work, I spend more time in Northeast Kansas City, Missouri, socializing than I do with my own friends. So tell me a little bit more about how KC for Refugees began and what your mission is. And that's also another beautiful story. So I've been helping 
people and I realized that a lot of the community on that side were new were refugees that were settled here over time. Mm. So over these years I had developed about six annual drives in which every other month I would do some kind of drive and we will do things and get it over there through my friends and my volunteers. And I was trying to connect with the Bosnian community. I'd heard about the Bosnian refugee community. I'd never had a chance. So that year, we were getting ready to do a, our annual food drive during Ramadan. This year, my agenda is to get connected with every year. So if I started with three different centers, mm -hmm. I grew to 20, almost 20 centers by now. I said, I have to, this year, my agenda is to connect with the uh, Bosnian community. It's a Northeast KCMO by close to the, you know, the Antioch Road. So I called, I figured out who they were. <laughs> called a friend, they said, yeah, I've prayed in their mosque, I'll get you their main person's number. I called that main person, I said, today I have time, and this is while I'm trying to be a mom and doing my full-time sure. physician job, that I tried to mm -hmm. set up an appointment with him. He's also a volunteer for the center, he has a full-time job, but he lives across the street from there, so he sets up a time on a weekend. I take my oldest daughter with me, I go to them, I said, I am from the Johnson County community, we've been doing donation drives for a while, we want to help your community, what can we do? And after hearing the story, he said, we have a very small community here, only 25 families, but yeah, a lot of them have elderly and people struggling, so we would love your support, but there is somebody else who can use your support more than I, I can. I said, who is that? He said, my friend Abdul, he's a refugee settlement director from Delalam. He's my yeah. best friend. He's a Somali, mm -hmm. and he, um, I would love to, do you have five minutes? I, I would love to introduce mm -hmm. you to him. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure, the more the merrier. You know, I said, yeah, he said, Wait a minute. He called him and Abdul happened to be there somehow. Now knowing Abdul, I'm shocked how he was close by. He's such a busy guy. And he showed up in five minutes. Wow. And he recognized me. I work with so many people. I didn't know. He said, you don't remember me, but seven or eight years, um, there was a drought in Somalia. And uh, you were the one who organized the drive uh, in Johnson County and helped me fill up that container with rice. I said, yeah, that was my most memorable project. Because at that time, what we had done is I found out about the drought in Somalia and I started doing a social media drive. And what year was this? I don't remember. It's about Now it's about seven or ten years ago. It's okay. about ten years ago. Yeah. No, eight or nine years ago. So anyways, um, what we did is I found out that there is a Somali uh, nonprofit in America and they had assigned Kansas City to be the city to send rice. This rice was going to go to the bordering countries where these Somalis were finally coming and starving. So they were going to have rice go from Kansas City. So I started I started this drive. We called Costco. We called Sam's Club. We called Restaurant Depot. Got the price of the rice. And I said, not a bag of rice. How many pellets do you have? They would say, I have only 14 pellets. I'm like, I'm going to take all your 14 pellets. <laughs> we literally made Kansas City run out of rice when we did that project. <laughs> wow. So Abdul was the uh -huh. one who was the main person here. I didn't know because volunteers used to come to our house. And then I set up in a way that we paid the restaurant depot and Costco and Sam's Club ahead of time and the volunteers would just come with their trucks and take the rice and take it with them. So over here I was telling my friends, you have donated 1500 pounds of rice, you wow. should be glad, your money gave this much. So I was encouraging them and yes. calling and calling people, just give me a hundred dollar, give me a hundred dollar, give me a hundred dollar. People were donating like crazy and so but that project was something that I was really happy we were able to do. So right. Abdul, I didn't know, was that guy who was the main Somali person who did it with me. Oh. So to me, it was three or four guys who used to come. And all I was wondering about was how much rice we need to do. But he said, Sophia, you did that project. You don't remember. I remember you. I remember your house. Like, oh, wow. This is a small city now, huh? 
And so from these beginnings... This is when I became friends with Abdul. That was okay. the start of everything because Abdul was settling new refugees. Mm. And he took me to his office at Delalam. He connected me with the staff there and told him he knew about my work already. Right. And he said, this is a person who can pull community support for you. So mm -hmm. be friends with her. So I used to go there a lot, became friends. He got me involved with new families, families who were struggling. And in, the, in that process where I was just a volunteer from the community doing this with no label, right? Right. Came uh, the first Syrian refugee family. Mm -hmm. um, I used to ask Abdul. I was, then I started taking Abdul to give talks to schools and places because people, I used to talk about it all the time in the bleachers and parties everywhere. People say, oh, my students want to learn about the refugee. Can you figure out a way of doing a talk for my class? I'm like, sure I can. So I would ask Abdul, hey, Abdul, can you find time and come with me? You do the settlement process mm -hmm. and I will do the part I know. So we buddied up and we started doing talks together. So I became more close and really friends with Abdul. Okay. And at that point, um, the first same time the first Syrian family was a people would ask, can we help Syrians? Because a lot was coming on in the media. And we said, there are no Syrian families in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So I asked, really, there's no family? He said, no, I've never seen even an application come by. I saw two before, but no follow-ups on it. Mm -hmm. So then he said, the first family is coming, and they're afraid that with the negative stuff in the media about the Syrians, they might get a backlash. Mm -hmm. But he said, I don't want to say no to this family. 21 different agencies have rejected this family already. I think they really need to be here. The dad has bomb injuries. The child had open-heart surgery. I think... So can you, uh, he says, Sophia, you're on the speakerphone. Judy's on the phone. In three minutes, we need to make a decision, yay or nay. You tell me, will you support this family with your community support? I said, hold on, Abdul. I have a car full of kids. I'm carpooling going home. And you're asking me to make a decision about a family's future in three minutes? Wow. He, I said, okay, okay, let me think. Give me just two seconds to think. I said, okay, what commitment are you asking for? Mm -hmm. um, they said, I said, tell me bottom line dollar amount because I've done fundraising that's what I'm passionate about I just I know my community what they will get passionate about what will work what will not work tell me what dollar amount are you talking about they said a thousand dollars a month for one year mm. can you commit to it and I paused for a second and all I'm thinking of is that family in my head right I said Abdul it's God's work not my work go for it mm -hmm. worst case scenario it'll come out of my paycheck yeah. go for it and um, they were excited. They were happy. And they said yes to the family. And I said, how much time do I have? They said, usually takes three, four to six months for the families to come. So that's how much time you have to promote it on your side and get supporters. Phone, his, I put his phone down and I start calling my friends. I said, Syrian family is coming. I need $100 a month commitment for one year. Syrian family is coming. So I start, and I said, you call your friends and tell them to call their friends. Okay. Two and a half weeks pass by or yes. something like that. And I'm told the family is coming next week. I'm like, what? <laughs> and my main supporter, I said, you know, I would get support from the Syrian Arab community the fastest. That's what my, is going in my head with a fundraising mind. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know Arab Americans. I think they would be the first one who will easily donate because these are people coming from their homeland. And my friend who committed to me, who, whose husband is Arab, um, her mother gets a heart attack and she has to immediately go to Iran. She's from Iran. And I'm like, wow. My main contact for the Arab community is gone. Wow. And he shows up. Before leaving, she gives me a $1,000 check and says, my commitment is here, and I'll come back and try to get you more. And the family shows up. Um, okay, the family shows up. We go to the airport. We, when they come, he said, Sophia, 
sorry to inform you, but this family is the first family coming in Obama's 10,000 surge to America. And the media has been following them from Jordan camps. The ambassador came to see off them at the airport. So I'm sorry, but it's going to be a big media following us too at the same time. I'm like, wow, here we're trying to help a family. I, I, going in my head, how I need to get the plastic surgeon to see them or okay. cardiologist and how, which house are they going to live in? How are we going to go to the airport? And on the top of that, we have to deal with the media. So, but Della Lam did a great job and the guy was just made for it. He immediately when he said, okay, so he calls me up and says, they're coming to the airport uh, tomorrow evening. I want you to bring a group of people. I'm like, okay. By that time, Amina is back, my friend. I call Amina, I said, Amina, can you come? And can you bring some of your Arab friends? She makes a quick phone calls. And next thing I know, there's a limousine standing outside my house ah. full of three or four um, Syrian ladies. And the guy owns, he's a Syrian American who owns a limousine service. Oh, yeah. And he's so excited to have a Syrian come here huh? that he brings in a group of people. And then Greg, my friend who I started the organization with, he comes, I called him, I said, Greg, can you show up? He comes with this, I think with his wife, few other churches brought people over. We have a big group of diverse group of people right. at the airport waiting for them. That was so beautiful. And from there started this phenomena that they started getting emails, letters, phone calls. How can we help this family? How can we help this family? We're getting checks coming from other states wow. for this family with letters, welcome to America. Mm. So Della Lam, um, I knew about this because I was obviously part of this for the whole time. They're still dear friends of mine, the, the Ahmed Alaboots family. Yeah. But what happened is I realized that Della Lamb was so busy settling refugees. Right. That was before this current administration. So refugees were still coming mm -hmm. in quite big numbers. And they had this commitment under their contract to do certain things for the refugees for the first 90 days. They didn't have time to respond to the community even their love and support, they didn't have a way to con contain it mm -hmm. or to make it into something that will actually help the refugees who on the other end want this support, right. need this support, uh -huh. and looking for this support. Agencies don't have time. Mm -hmm. They are so busy doing what they sure. need to do to get paid yeah. to keep up their agencies. I knew that because I had been working with Della Lam for a year by then. Mm -hmm. And so that moment came when I had to make a decision. It was hard. Um, but so three nights passed by and all I could think of in my head is a platform needs to be created right. through which refugees can be connected with these communities, our community, and this community who has all these resources, the talent, the things, the jobs, they can directly communicate with the refugees and we can connect the two together, bring the resources close to the refugees and the refugees close to the resources. Mm -hmm. And in the same process, also educate the community that you are, this is the right thing to do. You right. should be an American and support the refugees. This is the American thing to do. And was this was around 2015, 2014? Two years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 2015, April yep. 6th of 2015 is when Ahmed came. Okay. And the phenomena started right there. Right. So I had to do something. I knew something had to be done. Mm -hmm. A platform had to be created. Right. My dilemma was with all that I already did, right. and I was involved in different organizations. I run a Muslim youth group. I'm part of three or four boards. As a mother, a physician, am I the right person to do it? Uh -huh. It was something like God. I'm a very devout and very spiritual person. Yeah. So my brain is telling me, God is telling me, yes, mm -hmm. I want you to do this. And I am feeling weak inside and I'm feeling, am I the right person? 
can I even, am I worthy? This is a huge, and I knew this was a huge project. Right. And I knew it needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Not for my sake, not for your sake, for the sake of the refugees that come here and have suffered so much. It had to be done. There was no option. And this was the right time to do it. That I knew too. So I spent three nights getting up at three in the morning, literally crying on my prayer rug Mm -hmm. with my forehead down in front of my creator and asking him, guide me. Guide me and give me the strength to do this. I know you want me to do this. I heard that message. But do I have, do you think I have? Can you give me the courage, the know-how, the dedication to do this? Can I do this? Next week, we will pick up part two of my conversation with Dr. Sophia Khan as she describes what happens after these devout prayers. You can find this podcast and more at theliftpodcast.org on Facebook at The Lift Podcast, and by subscribing to The Lift Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or from your favorite podcast app. To learn more about KC for Refugees, visit www.kcforrefugees.org. That's kcforrefugees.org. I'm Wendy Connolly. Tune in next week for part two of this conversation with Dr. Sophia Khan, and thanks for tuning in. 